hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin West. To order or download additional resources, please visit kevinwest.org. It was a prophecy. How many of you have heard of Chuck Pierce? You all know Chuck Pierce? Chuck Pierce gave a prophecy. He, he's one of the guys that go to the White House periodically and is invited up by uh, Donald Trump and others. And he uh, had given a prophecy that um, the first 10 months of this year uh, was going to be uh, tumultuous, uh, you know, lots of fighting, internal struggling, and, um, uh, you know, like a tug of war, uh, navigating of power and pressures and uh, all of that for 10 months. And he said, but after the 10 months, there will be three and a half years of strong, just supernatural um, growth and opportunity. And uh, I just heard this last night. Somebody sent it to me. So I, I'm just passing that along. I kind of believe there's some things that are, that are happening as well. I'm seeing it in people's lives. Um, I, I'm watching people that, you know, could, there's no way. There is no way that the things that are happening for them um, should have happened. It just, there's just no way. I, I, I'm just telling you, there's just no way. And God is the way. And uh, he does things that only, you, you know, you can be in awe of him. See, that was a big part of the problem when Adam was in the garden. Can you imagine this? God creates man, puts him in the garden. Adam, Adam is standing here looking at all of this. And he's going, this is, he's in awe. This is, this is it. This is mine right here. Yeah. You, I give this to you. I told you to tend it, keep it, dress it. And then the, the beautiful part about him creating Adam and putting him in the garden is, do you know he made Adam just like him? Adam was made in God's image, just like you and I are made in God's image. You know what that means? That means that God put, God willed Adam into that garden. He wanted him in that garden. He loved him so much because God wanted to be loved. And then he put the same image in Adam that Adam needed to be loved and wanted to be loved. And do you know love is a driving force of the entire kingdom of God? Because that's God's, not God has, a, love isn't an attribute or a characteristic. That's just what he is. He is love. And love is so selfless that the greatest form of love and the greatest form of power is love, not control. If God told Adam he had to love him, God would not have gotten pure love. God gave him the choice to love him. So God knew that Adam was gonna make those mistakes, he was gonna transgress, all the things were gonna happen, but God yet still, before time, decided to make man and give him the choice to love him. Because if he didn't have the choice, he could have never had pure love. Too many of us live our life today in control, trying to control people to love us, or in fear to get people not to leave us. That's not God's way. So the opposite of love is not necessarily fear, it is control. The tree of life in the garden is love. Eat of it. The tree of knowledge of good and evil is control because you have to weigh it out to control it. And that says a lot about God. The God of the universe places man in his own image. If he had made man love him and control him, made him a robot, he would have had to remove his image from him because God's image is freedom. Choice. But God was hoping that Adam was in the garden looking at all this stuff going, my God, all this stuff, all the creation is incredible. 
but none of creation has what I have. And that's a choice, a will. And God was hoping that Adam would look at the creation and look at God and realize that God gave him that and that that would be enough in itself to compel Adam to love him. And then he said, all this other world system out here is just a mess. It's a mess, Adam. It's, it's, it's needs to be replenished, needs to be dressed. I need you to take what you have here and all that you're looking at. I need you and Eve to take it and go, and I need you to replenish it and make it, just make it. But I think Adam got so caught up in the church, the garden, that Adam was here for such a long time that he got in awe of all of this. And then he transgressed, and he had to be scattered. God sent him out of the garden so he could help, trying to have to find his way back into the garden. And most people today are trying to find their way back. How do I get back? How do I get back in? Back in what? Into the plan that God had for me long before I started making bad decisions or choices that aren't where I really need to be, that are taking me off the course that I should have been on. And, and most people are trying to find their way back. I find it ironic. I do. I find it ironic that God runs them out of the garden and then he shows them the way back to the garden is through the flaming sword, which is the word of God, Jesus the Christ, in the garden, the cherub, great cherub. And then he sends them out of the garden and then they have kids. There's, that, there's, there's, there's Cain and Abel. Do you realize in one generation, one generation, it went from Adam, all of this is yours and you're perfect and made in my image, to my brother killing his brother. And Cain crying out going, hey, am I my brother's keeper? And, and why is it that God accepted sacrifice of Abel, but he didn't sac sac accept the sacrifice of Cain? I have a feeling that it was because Abel loved God and presented a sacrifice. But Abel also loved Cain. Cain loved God, but he was jealous of Abel. That's why he killed him. Do you realize one generation later, one generation from perfection, you got a family killing each other? If it can go south in one generation, I promise you, it can go a different direction in one generation. If it can turn bad from mom and dad to two brothers, from two brothers to two more sons, it can turn good. It can. And what you're going to experience in your lifetime, because you're still alive for this, and there's a reason he kept you alive for, for, for 2000, I don't know why, but he did. You're going to experience the greatest pendulum swing the kingdom of God has ever seen in your lifetime. It, it, it's not going to be in comfort. That's why you have the comforter. It's going to be with strain and stress and moving and pushing but you're gonna to have to come out before you can go in. Too many people, and the message you're gonna see is change. You're gonna see it change. Watch Christian television if you want to. Go to some different churches, listen to some different pre preachers. Watch people get raised up. Watch the message begin to change just, just the, the time. It's been in the past, if you'll get saved and you'll make him your personal Lord and Savior, you're securing your eternity in heaven. That's an incredible message, and I love that message. It secures your destination. 
in heaven. But if I said to you, do you aspire more for heaven or do you aspire more to enter into the kingdom? If heaven is more of a reality to you, reality to you and you're not there and kingdom is available to you here and you'd rather go to heaven, our message is off. Because we could just shoot you right now going to your reward if heaven is your goal. It is your eternity. It is your destination. Never minimize that. But we're here. There's something to do. There's something that's supposed to happen. And it's supposed to happen supernaturally. And I want to submit to you that we have a generation of people in the earth right now, a people that know God's actions, but very few know his ways. Some know how he, he does things as far as the end result. He, he, he knows the, 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 the two fish and five loaves will turn into feeding 5,000 people, but the 5,000 people ate the food, but only the kid and the ones behind the scenes were able to see why he was doing it because he saw them being hungry. What motivates God? What are, the, what, are, what are his ways? What is it that he is driven by in your life? What drives him? What's his motivator? What pushes his buttons? See, most of the church knows his buttons that we push that make him angry. And we've been taught the buttons that he, we push to please him. But I'm telling you, there's more that's behind the buttons that he wants to reveal and unveil to you and me. It's his, it's his, it's his thoughts, it's his countenance, it's what's on his mind. And you walk, can, can you read his mind? Can you think the God thoughts without having to have God say them and then you repeat them? Do you, do you, do you know him well enough to know that, now that's not God. Do you well, know him well enough to know that he's not penalizing you for your bad decisions. He's not penalizing you for your bad, there's consequences to bad decisions, but God's not penalizing you for your bad decisions. He's not, he's not penalizing, he's not going, now this is it, I'm, take, I'm done with him, I've, I've just about had enough. I've, had, I've just about had, no, no, no. Do you not think he knew what he was getting with you before he created you? He, he knew you would make those decisions. He didn't like you making those decisions but he wasn't going to pull your will and your choice away from you because you would never be able to fully, truly choose to love him. And that's his motivating factor. What motivates God is how much he loves you and his need to be loved back. Because love deserves and requires a response. It's the most powerful force in the world. A person that truly, genuinely loves somebody, genuinely, has more control over that person than the person thinks they do, if it's genuine. If it's conditional, it has no power. It's manipulation of witchcraft. How you'll know if you truly love the person is do you, are you willing to cut it off and let them go even though they may not ever choose to love you in return? 
That's God. I had a nerve there, didn't I? That's deep. Are you willing to let them go? I'm not talking about divorcing them because they're making your life miserable. I'm talking about divorcing them. I'm not advocating divorce, I'm just telling you, but the motivation, divorcing them because you're so much in love with that person and their future and their destination and what God has for them that that's more important than what they can give back to you. Motivation. Deep in the heart. See, we've got so convoluted out here with our relationships to people, that's why we're having these parties, to get people connected to people. And guess what, when you get connected to people, you start finding out people's junk. And I got news for you, everybody in here's got junk. You can spit on your junk and make it polished, but it's still junk, right? Everybody's got it. And it's okay to be real with people and transparent with people. It's okay. It is. And what happens is, because of the convoluted areas we have in relationships, that everything is messed up, that now our view of God is now the lens we see him through and the view we have of God is through broken relationships with people. So we now have a real skewed view of how, we, the way we see God. So the only way to start it, the only way to fix it and to remedy it is not necessarily to go back and see how we can adjust our eyes to see him first. We first have to let him, let us see how he sees us. And as we see through his lens to human, humanity and mankind, we'll be able to adjust as we receive his belief system, his perception, his worldview, and ours begins to change to match his. We're trying to change ours based on circumstances without the divine revelation of really his perspective and his view of us. That's why I need to tell you, when I say he loves you, he loves you. That's gotta sink in, that's gotta become a reality to us. Such a reality that we look at him and say, there is no but to that. He loves you. He loves you, he loves you, he loves you. And the message we've preached for the last eight or 10 years across the body of Christ has been, God loves you no matter what. That's true. But if you don't learn how to receive that love back from him, your life will never change. Show me a person that says, God loves me just the way I am, and they continue on in their sin is somebody that doesn't know God loves them. They, they've heard it, and they can echo it. But the love of God requires a response, a change. That's why Adam was hiding in the garden when he hid, when he sinned and, re and rebelled. He was hiding, why? Where are you, Adam? As if God didn't know where he was at. So he comes to him, and, and God comes to Adam and finds Adam when Adam was gonna hide from him. Why? Adam, I'm gonna show you the way back in, but first you have to go out. And dysfunction after dysfunction, generation after generation was just messed up. 
And the Lord showed me something this past week. He showed me that he loves people because and in spite of people. And the reason he loves people so much is because he created us in his image. He looks at you and wants to see him. And he's not looking for clones. He wants you to be birthed like father, like son. And when you're born again, you take on his whole nature. What's that nature? The nature of love. Your default button should be love and not judgment. Your default button has to be love and put other people before yourself. No greater love has a man that laid down his life for his brother or a friend. No greater love. I'm not talking about becoming the scapegoat so he can stay out of trouble and you can put it on you. I'm not talking about them being wrong and you say, well, I'm just gonna let them be wrong so I'll just take it. Just, just no, I'm not, talk, I'm, not talk, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about requiring nothing in return. Nothing. Well, this is gonna be a good summer. My goal over the next several weeks is for you to have an accurate picture of God and the way God sees you so you can truly begin to see other people the way God sees other people. We, we program things to pieces because we, we systemize. That's what we do. We're good at systemizing. People, mankind is. We, government systemizes government's programs. And then the people begin to latch on to programs. Churches program everything. And the people latch on to programs. Um, the, the addiction recovery community, it's a program and we latch on to program. But once you, the dust settles on all the, the programming, there's people. An absence of a relationship or connectivity to that person, the programmer system is, is useless. It becomes like the DMV. You know what I'm talking about. Take your number and do your business and move on. Churches can't be that way. Families can't be that way. Relationships can't be that way. God doesn't want that with us. See, I want you to be prepared for the greatest revolution society is ever gonna see. And I want you to recognize it's not gonna be outside of you it's gonna include you. And the biggest adapting process we're gonna to have to go through and the biggest metamorphosis of change that we're gonna experience individually is you're going to get a, you're gonna be baptized or immersed in a revelation, an unveiling, and an awareness of God's concentrated focus in your life. Concentrated focus. He's going to be up in your business to help you, to love you, to show you. 
but yet you don't understand. Things are not working out as fast as I thought they would work out. Can I tell you one of the biggest changes we're gonna make? One of the first things we're gonna talk about real quickly? He is the door. We need to stop saying, God, I need you to open up a door. God, I need, a, I need you to open up the door. I need a door open here. I feel like I'm all hemmed in and closed in and I need a door, I'm waiting for God. I'm waiting on God to open up a door. Listen, he is the door. And guess what the door gave you? Keys. How frustrating would it be for you to give you the keys to your house, to your children or your family, you go on to work. They got the keys, but they won't open the door to go in. They're gonna call you to come open the door. Do you need God to open the door? Or do you need to access the keys? Peter, I've given you the keys to the kingdom. I'm calling everybody out to get on the starting line. I don't care if you're one hour clean. I don't care if you've been in ministry for 30 or 40 years. Everybody's gotta get on the starting line. Everybody has to have the keys in their hand. I don't know what those keys are. Oh, yes, you do. You have the keys. If you have God inside of you, you have the keys because the door is inside of you. We've been waiting on God to open up doors when God said, I've already given you the keys. Go. Procrastination will be the biggest killer of this next move. And procrastination is bathed in worry and fear and it looks like wisdom, but it's false. I'm waiting to hear what the Lord says. Well, can you move and see what the Lord says? Can you trust if that key doesn't open that door you're trying to that he'll, he'll not let it open or it'll keep it locked and it won't open for you as you try? Can you just go for it? Pastor Kevin, are you just saying I need to be reckless and just try anything? If you're gonna sit there and wait till you die and go to heaven and not access the kingdom, you better start trying everything. I'm, I got an idea. Is, my too, is this too heavy? Can I tell you, let me just tell you a joke? Not gonna happen today. It is not happening. I'm burning. I can, if, if, if we have that prophecy that says in 10 months, and we're already into the fifth, sixth month, and then if I told you the next three and a half years are gonna be nothing but just crazy open opportunities, and I don't equip you over the next four or five months for you to have a real revelation of who Christ is by the Spirit, knowing who he is and how he sees your life, that he is for you and not against you, he's not fighting against you, he's not, no, you're fighting against people, but you're not fighting against him. You're looking at this person, this person, this and this person, this and, and I, I got news for you, there's not gonna be a recovery program in the world that's gonna get rid of addiction. It'll contain it, but it'll not eradicate it. There's not gonna be one program, social program in the world that's gonna get rid of welfare or, 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 or poverty mindset or the entitlement mindset. 
Not one. It's not going to get you kid of murders. I don't care you can gun control or not gun control. You can, whatever position you fall, it doesn't even, it's not going to change. The only thing that's going to change is the heart. When the heart of a person begins to change, and the only way a person's heart changes is when they get a glimpse of how he sees them. Because it draws you in a deeper place with him. And then you're not in fear of him, you're in awe of him. Because then you look at all of the creation and all of the things he's brought into your life, the children, the kids, the family, the, 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 the business, the career, the education, whatever it might be, the, the giftings and the talents, and you're looking at all these things going, he gave me all of those even knowing my weaknesses, even knowing that I'm capable of not even handling all this, making bad decisions, he gave me all of this. You look at your kids, look at your parents, they're st if they're still alive. Look at your grandparents, look, at look around you, and God has blessed you. You are blessed. I'm telling you, you might be in a jam right now, in a mess right now, confined right now, but things aren't working like you think they were. Your back might be hurting, your mind might be, you have, might have migraines, whatever. But I'm telling you, in spite of it all, you're blessed. How do I know that? Because I know how he feels about you. And you'll never be able to draw from people the love that you're desiring and craving from people without first knowing how he loves you. And the more you realize how much he loves you, the less demand you'll place on other people's love. And the more it'll draw their love because you become so selfless in everything that you're doing. There's no condition. It's uncontaminated and pure. And that's why they call it the love, not from God, the love of God. It's heavenly love. Let me read the scripture to you real quick. Then we gotta close. Seth, can you pull up Psalm 103? Psalm 103. And whatever version you have there, it doesn't matter. Everybody good? The New King James. Well, that just happens to be what I have up here too. Where is Psalms? Anybody know? Everybody says, is, it, is it the Old Testament? Here we go. Psalm 103. Ready? Bless the Lord, O my soul. Stop right there for a second. Bless the Lord, O my soul. We, we could stop right there. Bless the Lord, O my soul. This is David crying out. And all that is within me, Bless his holy name. And we'll sing that song. We'll shout that from the rooftops. We'll scream it and we'll dance and, we'll, and, and, and we should. But we've gotta have another layer of understanding of what that means. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Here we go. Now he's gonna tell us the benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, 
so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Here we go. He made, his, he made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. Our cry is not we wanna know his actions. We wanna know his ways. The Lord is merciful, here we go. Now we're gonna talk about his ways. We talked about his benefits before, now his ways. He's merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us or with man, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, otherwise he would have killed us all. Nor did he punish us according to our iniquities from our parents and our grandparents and on down the line that was passed on to us. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those that are in awe of him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed all your transgressions and all of our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. He knows our frame. He remembers us when we were nothing but dust. As for man, his days are like grass as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it and it's gone and its place remembers it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those that fear him and his righteousness to his children's children. That's your kids. To such as keep his covenant. No, not you keep his covenant. Him keep his covenant. And to those who remember his commandments to do them, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you ministers of his who do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works. In all places of his dominion, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. That's your God. That's him. That's, how, that's, his, that's his benefits. And that's his ways. Toward your life. If there was nobody else around, and I'm not, not joking. Listen, you can talk to your friend. You can talk to your mother. You can talk to your father. You can talk to your kids. You can confide. I don't care who you're talking to, that, but he knows you. Listen, they know you, they know about you, and they know what you do. He knows you. He's up in your business. He's there when there's nobody else there. He's there when you're laying in bed at night and the tears are rolling down your face and you can't go to sleep and you're looking at all the decisions you've made, all the bad things that's happened, and now you're looking at all the long road you have ahead of you. 
He's there when you're lonely and you have nobody else to talk to and nobody will understand. And, and you've tried to reach out to other people and they hear you, but yet you don't want to be a burden to them. They don't really, really totally get it. And you're laying there. And then he's there when, when, you, when you really keep going back to the same person over and over again to get something that's fulfilling, something that's just really a temporary fix, but it really is something, a deep hole that only God can feel. He's still there. And every time that we're laying there, he's just wanting you to love him back. But the only way you can love him back is if you know how much he first loved you. You gotta, he's gotta know that he's, he's slow to be angry with you. He's patient, he's kind, he's loving, he nurtures, he nudges, he roots for you. He puts you in places that'll help you make right choices to love him, that'll point back to his goodness and he's not gonna strip you of all the stuff that you have in your life unless all of that becomes more important than you love all of it more than you love him. And then you'll find this start falling apart and that start falling apart and this start falling apart. And when you start seeing those things start happening, it's not a say, God, what have I done wrong and he's punishing me. No, he just wants to be more in awe of the things that you're in awe of. that business that you're looking for, that, that, that transaction, that, that contract, that, that relationship, that, that desire you have. Man, his de who do you think put that craving inside of you? Who do you think put that desire inside of? He did. He put it inside of you. He wants you to succeed. He wants you to be blessed. Why? He wants you to be blessed because he wants to be able to say, that's my son and, I'm, and whom I'm well pleased. Stand with me, please. Would you bow your heads and cl close your eyes with me for just a moment? Nobody's looking around. I hope, you can, I hope you can feel or sense or discern the eyes of God in your life right now. Then I'm hoping he's whispering to you and you're able to hear him. And if you're hearing things like, you're never gonna make it. You're too insecure, you've come too far, you made too many bad decisions. It's no, you're, you're, if you don't fight, you're gonna lose. You don't, you're gonna, I'm, no, if you hear all of that stuff, fear starts gripping inside of you. No, no, no. Love is not control, it's the opposite of control. And I hear the Lord saying this morning to somebody, you worry way too much. And you let the peoples around you, the, the, the relationships you have around you, whether it be a husband or wife or kids or, or, or coworkers or friends, 
You let their actions determine your emotions. So you begin to react to everything around you. And one day you're up, the next day you're down. One moment you're up, the next moment you're down. And if he doesn't act a certain way or she doesn't act a certain way, that the expectations that you have already created in your heart for that person, even though they have no idea how that's gonna work, you begin to shut down, you begin to wall up in defense, or you begin to lash out and to try to control. God said, stop it. You're wearing yourself out and worrying yourself to pieces. God said, I'm not working in a vacuum just on your life. I'm working in everybody's life that's associated with you. I heard God say right now, he's releasing a peace in everybody in here's mind and heart that's focused on him right now. Release that peace in Jesus' name. picture, a parable. He said the drugs on the street has been a, a wide variety of, of heroin. He said, but what you're going to see <laughs> is that pendulum switch to more of things that like are, are meth. Now this is the Lord speaking. This is not me. And he says, the reason it's shifting because even those that are in that world know it's not a time to sit back. It's a time to speed up. And he's going to accelerate. Hear what I'm telling you. He's going to accelerate your, your ability and the power that's in you. He's going to accelerate your want to and your desire and here's what he said to tell you. The first moment that you have to accelerate, don't hesitate, don't wait, don't look for some door to open. You take the keys that he's already placed in your hand and you go knock on that door, you go push open that door, you open that door with the key, you go talk to that person, you go visit that man, you go call that person on the phone, you apply for that job, you call to that person and you, no, 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 I'm telling you, he says whatever you're big enough to do, then go do it. Whatever you're brave enough to do, go do it. Whatever you're confident enough to do, go do it. Don't take no for an answer, go forward and expect all of his benefits everywhere that you go. He said, I'm not holding your past on top of you. I'm not, 
putting you in a box where you're imprisoned because of bad decisions. I'm opening up the door. I am the door, he said, and he's released you into this next time of your life. Now go after it. Go do it. What are you afraid of? I'm afraid that where I've come from and my past failures are gonna determine where I'm gonna be going. No, God said, as far as the east is from the west, all of those things have been removed from you. So go forward, aggressive, expecting all of the opportunities that he places in front of you to come down in your favor. The Lord said, in your favor, in your favor. Why? Because he loves you that much. This is a love walk. This is a love game. This is a love relationship. And his love for you is abounding. It'll never turn around. It'll never fade. It does not have conditions. It is a one-way covenant that goes from him to him. And you are the benefactor of that covenant. So go walking in the power of his resurrection, knowing that the love of God, the love from God, is pouring out in your life. And the evidences you will see even so this week. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you all. What is it that you're called to be? Too often we think only people called into ministry are preachers. But did you know that God has called you to influence your world? Whether you're a teacher, a mom, a businessman, a doctor, you're called to bring who God is into your sphere of influence. I want to invite you to visit at Expression Church of Huntington. Our passion is to teach others how to be the expression of Christ in everyday real life. Service times are Sundays at 11 a.m. with Sunday school starting at 9.30 for all ages. We also have our midweek service called The Mid, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Our temporary sanctuary is located at 5185 U.S. Route 60 East in Huntington at the East Hills Professional Center off of the 29th Street exit. We will soon be moving to our permanent property at Commerce Park in Huntington. I'm Stephanie Scragg, and I am Expression.